Welcome back to Anchored and Devoted with Pastors Jer and Pastor Joseph. I'm Pastor Jer. And I'm Pastor Joseph. We are so glad you're here with us today. We didn't <laughs> actually practice that, but we're getting better at it. <laughs> I know. I gotta, I gotta be silly, though. I saw you check the email yesterday. Was there any emails from anyone, or was it just you checked the email? It was just me checking. I was, actually, I was, uh, I was logging back in because Google was like, hey, you know, we need your password again because we don't trust your Apple. And I'm like, no, whatever. There you go. Well, yeah, haven't gotten just an email. Fill our email inbox. Yeah, that'd be helpful. Because both Dr. Joseph and I don't have enough to do, and we're looking for things to fill our time. So please send us an email. Uh, We like jokes. We like cute cards. Um, I take cash, credit cards, preferably your own. (laughs) No, uh, no movie tickets though. We don't want any movie tickets or game tickets where it's one ticket. Um, And I know clearly you've got the other ticket. That's just right. Like if it's a spa ticket, I'll take one, but you better not have the other one. If you have two, you better send them both. And Dave, just to be clear, I'm not splitting that with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that, but like, it's okay. I, I will take offense later. Uh, we won't put, we won't air that on the podcast. I'll, we you, talked about forgiveness last time. <laughs> you got to walk that out, brother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hear a stoning coming on. <laughs> so sincerely, though, uh, Dave and I are. are prepping to run the Marine Corps Marathon. And by the time that this podcast today airs, the Marine Corps Marathon will already be behind us. Um, so, so Dave and I are both, uh, and I'm, I'm speaking for you. I think this is true about you. It's definitely true about me. I'm planning to have um, a massage like two days after the, the marathon. Oh, dude, I plan on having one before and after. I'm not going to like... <laughs> I'm I, my body's had a lot of banging on it, so I'm sure the week of I'll probably have one, and I'm sure the day after. Um, and I'm not ashamed at all because I'm a Clydesdale, and if you don't know what that is, that's people over 250 pounds running in marathons, which are 26.2 miles. So, yeah, that's a lot. Honestly, of- dude, I think you're more of a shire than a Clydesdale. Either way, that's a whole lot of meat moving. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> so if we bump into you at the Marine Corps Marathon, I hope it's not physically. That, that would be a good thing. Like we should get I mean, for me, for you and I, Dave, it's not going to bother us at all. No, it would not. Not <laughs> one. But I would feel bad trampling someone and then them saying, I heard your podcast. Anyway, this is not the focus of today's podcast, not rambling. We do have a focus. And we do. <laughs> if I were to get run over someone, I, w- I might get sad about it. Um, in fact, True story. I did in the first 5K I ran, I ran over this girl and she was probably like 120, 125 pounds. Really? She, um, I, yeah, seriously. I'm blind in my right eye. I know this. I was passing her on the left and I started moving over to my right, not realizing she was there in my, you know, legitimate blind spot. <laughs> bumped her, realized I bumped her, you know, at 270 pounds or whatever. I bumped someone half my size. And she almost went sprawling, but I reached out and instinctively just grabbed her at kind of the shoulder, upper arm level, stabilized her, put her back on her feet without losing my stride and said, sorry about that, and just kept on going. I'm sure she passed me at some point later, but um, it did make me sad. And, you know, honestly, I'll go ahead and um, veer into our topic today by talking about my own experience. Being legally blind, there are a lot of experiences that. I have not gotten to enjoy. And there are a lot of things, even this morning, I was telling Dave before we started recording, as I was out there uh, putting a few miles on the road again, um, at one point, 
I was looking over to my right to judge a turn, drifted to my left unknowingly and tripped over a, a sidewalk curb and I almost went down, thankfully didn't, didn't damage anything in this process. But it brought me back to a place that is very real for me, which is as a, as a person who wants to be physically active, who has kids, who wants to be engaged with life, who wants to be out being with people, my vision or my lack of vision holds me back significantly. And there have been numerous times in my life when this has had a more deep impact on my psyche and on my happiness than other times. And these times have been very cute and it's been very deep and it's been, uh, it moves past sadness and self-pity to honest depression. And it's something I've had to deal with um, for as long as I've had to deal with this hurdle in my life. And the topic for today is depression. The reason I, I wanted to talk about this is not because I'm walking through depression, but because I know a lot of people are. Today in America, um, depression and anxiety and uh, difficulties that fall into this category of emotional uh, imbalances, emotional disorders are at a higher level than they have been at other points in history and in other parts of the world that are at the same level of affluence and industrial progress that we are here in the West. And that's kind of striking because there's a measurement of happiness and cultures that have a higher happiness quotient um, typically have less depression, but that doesn't correlate to ease of life and success in life because in America, there is a lot of success and there is a lot of ease, and yet the happiness quotient doesn't follow it. What does follow is depression, dissatisfaction, lack of contentedness, lack of satisfaction. And when we're talking about this within the body of believers, um, both Dave and I are counselors. Dave's a, a licensed professional counselor. I'm a biblical counselor. Um, we have the same basis for our degrees. Dave's gone further with his than I have. Uh, in fact, Dave is a Dr. Joseph. I am I am not a Dr. Sephirati. And I don't and we, we did go to seminary together. We did go to seminary together. And we've dealt with these issues a lot in our in our practice, both professionally and ministerially. And what I have observed is that there's, there's kind of three different targets that I want to talk to. The first target is a person who's walking through depression, who's having to deal with depression. The second target is the people who are walking with the person who is dealing with depression. And the third is the clergy, uh, the pastors, the lay leaders who are giving shepherding to the person walking through depression. And, and I'll, I'll say this, and this is why I want to talk about it. What I see oftentimes is that at the first two levels, and then largely at the third level as well, the approach that's taken when dealing with someone who's dealing with depression has a pretty weak biblical underpinning. Mm. Um, additionally, there's a kind of the other side of the coin where not only is there a biblically weak way of dealing with depression, but there's also a medically adverse way or a medically um, suspicious way of dealing with depression where we say something along the lines of 
if you're dealing with depression, don't take medication because that's not trusting God or <laughs> all it's doing is masking I'm, something. I'm or there's a hundred different bad uh, bits of advice that can be given. Yes. And uh, my heart this morning was to just have a conversation with you about this um, from our from our perspective, both as pastors and as counselors, speaking primarily to the person walking through depression because they need they need hope. They need to know that that they're not alone. They need to know that there is help that they can have. Mm-hmm. That there is a reason to continue going, and also to the pre- people who are walking with them who haven't had the equipping that you and I have right. to help them better walk with their brother or sister. That that's a long intro. <laughs> but that's why I want to talk about it. Okay, that's a good reason. I didn't, I mean, you picked the topic and um, it is one that warrants um, being discussed, I think, in our first season. Um, it, as you stated, it is a serious topic and I do um, work with a significant number of individuals, both believers and non-believers, uh, as they go through depression. Um, and uh, even when I was a missionary up in Northern Canada, you drove with me up there. Um, that was one of the biggest things I dealt with. And for many, you would say it's a land of abundance. And for many, you'd say it's a land of lack. Um, and it's interesting how our culture, in the midst of all of its busyness, as well as its desire to identify with um, being great, um, devalues one another by not slowing down to actually help the individuals that are in the space of being depressed. Um, You know, I will tell you that, you know, one of the biggest things any person can do is to just slow down and be with the person to actually show up and be present. Um, not trying to do the job thing, you know, the job friends are trying to talk them out of it or deny it or throw scripture at it, but just literally be in the moment and empathize with them uh, <clears throat> with the knowledge that uh, you can't feel the way they feel because, yes, they're in a different body, you know, but you can understand that they are hurting and therefore you are hurting. Um, and that that's real. And that's okay to experience with them you're not pushing them further into their um, depression by sitting there with them Um, but denying it is often more harmful saying you know it's not real or get up or um you know i can throw a ton of scriptures out that would be used to you know speak against depression Mm -hmm. Um, but know that if that's the church you're in start by praying away from the person and praying that God would meet them um, just as you are meeting God. Uh, you know, ask the person if you can pray with them, but don't assume for them. Don't assume that they haven't been praying because for most people in depression, they have been. Um, that, that isn't the issue. Um, and we see in scripture, you know, with David as well as with others, these seasons of what I consider drought or, um, you know, the inability to really get close to God, not that he isn't there, not that you aren't close. It just seems that he's quiet. And often um, that's hard when you're uh, dealing with depression. It isn't um, 
that God can't speak through others. So I get if, if you have a word from, you know, I'm just thinking of all the different things I've bumped into um, a word for this individual. Uh, don't be upset if they don't, if they aren't ready to receive it. Like just, just know that because you haven't been present with them. So you are that driftwood I talked about earlier. You just float in and float out. Um, and your purpose is one in their life that doesn't have the weight. And that can even be parents. Like that, that's not just, um, no, you're saying parents. That can be parents. That can be counselors. That can Correct. be pastors. That can be small group leaders. That can be the. That can be everyone. Because if the the point that you're making here is, we as the people walking with someone going through depression, we are not God. Correct. We don't have the ability to answer their needs or to meet their needs. What we have the ability to do is be with them, to suffer with them as they suffer to not abandon them and not ignore them and then to speak truth with them and to point them back to our father. Correct. That, that's all we have. And when that's not accepted in the moment, it's not a rejection of us. It's not even a rejection of the truth. What it means is that we don't have the ability through what we say. If you go back to Genesis 1, it doesn't say in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then you made Adam, and then Adam said, let there be animals. The, the power of speech resides with God. Mm. And we can echo that to people, but it's God himself, as he speaks, that causes life to come forth. And that's huge. I mean, really, that's huge to understand when you're living your life as a believer, period. Because most people believe that they have the power unto themselves, and that's not it. It's unto God. It's God's power, and He's choosing how He responds. So even uh, you know, I challenged a, um, a sister in Christ the other day. Even being able to say, over the next thirty days, we're going to fast and pray, and this is going to go away. It's like if that's what God wants to do, then sure. Um, if that's not what He wants to do, then <laughs> yeah. you're setting yourself up and the other person for failure, and so yes. You can pray intentionally with God without bringing this other person into it to muddy up their situation with God. You want to point them to God. Um, often I see people trying to put themselves in, as a mediator in the middle of it when that's not where they belong. They're supposed to be walking alongside. This person's already a believer. They don't need a priest. They've got one. Um, they, what they need is for you to journey with them. And I think it's okay to ask and follow up. You know, I've been praying for you all this week. How are you feeling? That's fine. Right. I don't, I don't know any person yeah. who is not feeling well, who won't take heart in that because if you're, and we haven't gotten into this yet, but my view of depression is one where this is something that we have to get through and we're going to get through it together. And therefore, this isn't a you thing. This is just a season that you're in and know that you might have many seasons of them. We'll get into the medication later. There could be something that's causing these seasons, but know that it, it isn't you right now. If it is a sin issue, then we can talk about that. But I haven't met anyone dealing with depression where it was a sin issue. I found that often um, a wrong perspective of God has had. Um, okay. But I haven't found, you know, someone who's a thief who right. struggling with depression. Like I haven't found that. 
I'm not saying they don't exist. They might be in prison. I haven't met them. Um, and so they're depressed because they got caught. I, I haven't met them. Um, I'm being silly. I, I, I know for the young adults and teens that I worked with up north, um, for many of them, uh, their identity was in so many different things. Again, these were non-believers. Their identities were in so many different things that when that didn't make sense or uh, their snow globe was shaken, um, they would, you know, consider taking their lives. Yeah. Um, they would consider um, harming others. Um, and this wouldn't be their norm. They were in a season of depression. Um, they, they often didn't know how to act or what to do. So they would, you know, go into hibernation. Um, no, no one blames a drowning victim when they're being rescued and they're flailing around. No one says, hey, don't you recognize you're being rescued? What we recognize as, as the observers of someone who's drowning is that they are overwhelmed by their inability to deal with the realities that in fact are overwhelming them right. and they're incapable of saving themselves. And so all they have is give up mm-hmm. or flail. Yep. And neither one's going to be more effective than the other. What's needed is someone to come and rescue. So I wanted to you know, maybe pivot here and talk about maybe to the second group of people, what is depression? Because I, I think it's, it is useful to be able to think what I want to, what I want to be able to do, Dave, is between you and I give to people maybe a, a way of thinking about what depression is so that they have some tools to walk with someone who is going through a season of depression. So there's, there's a way I think about it that's been helpful for me and you can critique this, you can add to this, whatever you want. Depression is an organic reality. And by that, I mean there are biological, physiological changes that happen in the brain, in the body, that bring all of the, all of the physical, material processes of the body into a lower level of processing. But there is more than that. There is also a thought process component Mm -hmm. where there are beliefs in play Mm -hmm. and there is a expectation a a future or a past expectation component Mm -hmm. that has not been met Mm -hmm. and out of this this confluence of things comes an identity or a future statement that leads to a um a place where a loss of hope is what what takes place. And so understanding that there is a thought process that that underlies depression and that there are expectations that are tied into this is useful because you you said it's okay to follow up with people and say, how are you feeling? But how are you feeling is not the only question that we should be asking as we're walking with people. Another question that, yeah, go ahead. No, I said, I agree. Go ahead. Another question that we can and should be asking is, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. And not, not as a critique, but help, help me understand what's going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. Are your thoughts just dark? Yep. Is, is, can you give voice 
to the feelings that are inside of you and put them into words such that you can share them out loud with me. Can you say, I'm thinking that my life is worthless, that everything I have done has backfired on me. I have no possibility of gaining the things that I've been trying to work for so diligently. I don't understand what's going on. I'm confused. I feel that life is against me. I think it's unfair because I've put in the time, I've put in the energy, and I'm trapped all everywhere I look. Helping a person as the as the group too, the people walking with someone going through depression, recognizing that there are thought processes that are integrated in depression gives us the ability to walk with the person mentally as well as physically and emotionally. Emotionally, I can feel badly. I can have sympathy for you. I can I can give you comfort through my presence, through my uh, affect, through the way that I'm walking with you. But I can also walk with you through my words, intellectually, mentally, through the thought process as I'm as I'm walking, as I hear you giving your thoughts. What are your thoughts, and how can I hear you and let you know I hear you? That makes sense. I understand why you're there. Validation to someone in their thought process is not the same as saying what you're thinking is accurate. Correct. What it is saying is, I understand how you could reach that conclusion. And if I were there, I would feel the same way you do. Now, David, that's a horrible question. Is it sufficient to stop there? We are working through the process of journeying with a person, is what at least that's what I'm hearing. The first is the presence, the second is now actively engaging with the thought process. And the first part is um, recognizing that there is a thought process and engaging with it by asking good questions. Um, I think the asking is a huge thing as opposed to assuming, yes, you should do your research and look around, but ask this individual so that you're more learning, not. Um, curious for the sake of sharing the gossip in the prayer chain, um, but you're more seeking to again journey with this person. Just as you know, Jerry, you stated, you know, what is the thinking going on um, after you've affirmed that process? Then it's helping a person see, um, or at least starting the process of seeing what is good in just this day yeah just just a small thing don't go big start small and um it's often hard who's in depression to to find that small thing even though it's easy for you don't bail them out allow them to wrestle with it but be there with them and help them see things through your eyes just as you've taken the time to see things through theirs. Now, yes. it's a, again, it's a journeying together. So you're trying to um, cultivate the mind or encourage the mind of the sibling in Christ to, to be in that same space and to see the good work of God. You're not failing if they don't see it. And please make sure they don't feel pressured to see it. Like that, you shouldn't be piling on. You should be alleviating. And so you want to make sure that hope is a part of the conversation. Um, hope is at least where you're going to leave a person, even if you didn't start there. 
Um, you know, and it doesn't mean that you've got an answer for everything. Hope might be, let's just pray about this. <laughs> like that, that, that's it. Let's take it to God. I don't have an answer. Um, and let's come meet again tomorrow. Or let's, yeah. you know, let's break bread again tomorrow. Right. Um, Leaving someone, introducing hope is reminding the person, positively speaking to the person, I understand why you are feeling and thinking what you're feeling and thinking. I want to reflect to you that in my experience, when I have been in situations like this, God has been faithful to me. Mm. And I believe he will be faithful to you too. Primarily because Jesus came and gave up his life for us. If he loved us that much, then I believe he will meet you here as well. And I will stay here with you until he does. Mm -hmm. I mean, bringing Christ into the conversation is one of those things where if you can't find hope anywhere else, definitely you should be able to get united on that with a believer. Know that they might not be able to feel it, but they should be able to verbalize it out of a head knowledge. And then the conversation should lead to encouraging them. I know this is going to seem a little different, but to figure out what can they do to cultivate um, that feeling part or that yes. that 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 aspect that they don't feel now. So um, it could be. You know, I know you're depressed, so I'm not taking away from that. Um, but we need to go do something together yeah. that causes you to smile. Um, yeah. Notice in this whole time, there's a sacrifice by the person journeying with the person in depression. This isn't a you go play putt-putt and tell me how much you enjoyed it. It's a let's go do this together. And, that uh, you know, let's see if we can find in all of God's creation this yeah. this interaction allows you to realize okay god does love me um even if i don't feel free to express everything i know he does love me it doesn't mean the depression has gone away it just means mm-hmm. instead of us being at a zero i'm at a two um which is huge um you know we're not nowhere near a 10 but zero is the world is ending and i'm ready to go with it two is you know, God has left me here with a purpose and I'm just struggling in that. Um, and that, that's, that's a whole lot better than the zero, right? Like we can work through the struggle. Uh, and your two may, may only be, uh, God has left me here and I, I hope that he's coming back at some point. And that, that's me at a one. So uh, <laughs> that's me at a one. That's rapture now, rapture now. Um, it's, and Dave, he may be laughing, but I can tell you from walking with him for the years that we've been friends, I've seen Dave at a one numerous times. It's, it's real for us. But the, the point that I think we're both making here is that being in a state of depression, is, it's not simply a funk that someone can snap out of because they wish to. And it's not something that is simply an attitudinal or a behavioral or an emotional thing. Right. There are, there's a feedback loop between our physical body, between the things that we are thinking, and between the emotions that we are feeling. Mm-hmm. And when they fall into a depression feedback loop, they start working together to maintain that uh, stasis, 
that yeah. space has that point of reality. If we can move any one of them, any single one of them, the person will be a little better off. That's it. So it may simply be, hey, I'm coming over. We're going to go take a walk outside. I was going to say that's often what I recommend for parents who are dealing with teenagers or kids in depression. I will tell them, I need you to take your kid for a walk in the sun, get some vitamin D and hold their hand. I was like, don't say a word to them. It's going to be really, really awkward, especially if it's a 17 year old or an 18 year old. I was like, really? Just I don't care. Even, you know, father and son hold their hand. They need the physical touch. They need to just know you're there with them and go for a walk. 15 minute walk, nothing super long. Just be. I was like, you'll be surprised how they open up. And because they're outdoors and getting sun, Mm -hmm. they're able to connect with, oh, you actually have taken time for me. This isn't just time on the couch where I'm staring at the TV and you're staring at the TV. We call it bonding. No, that's when guys are like a seven. Like we're already friends and we're good. We don't need to say anything. When you're in depression, you need to be there. And the person needs to know you're there. Um, and so that, that holding hands or, you know, uh, you know, if it's your mate, your arm around the shoulder, whatever is important. Um, yep. And yep. There, there are two questions that people in depression, whether or not they realize whether or not this que- these questions have come to the surface, they are being wrestled with. Those two questions are, and there may be more, but there are at least these two questions. One, do I matter? And two, is it going to be okay? Is it going to get better? And doing something like what you just described answers, even just a little bit, both of those questions. Yes, you matter. I'm taking the time to be with you because you matter. And yes, it might be able to be okay. If you can, if you feel even a little bit differently after we take this walk together, then maybe it can be okay. That's where hope is introduced. At that, that very small level. And that's, I don't believe that that's sufficient. Again, the reason I want to talk about this is because I think that Christians don't deal with depression well. And I want to drive back to the gospel. Our hope is not that we're going to reach a point in our lives where we are constantly shooting for the right targets and hitting our goals and therefore being satisfied. Our hope as Christians and the hope that we stand on as believers is that because Christ overcame sin and death and the grave, and because we have been grafted into Christ, then when we are brought home to be with him, Mm -hmm. at that point, pain and sin and death and fear will be no more. But until we reach that point, we will continue to walk through these struggles, just as David did through his entire life. The overcoming Christian life is not devoid of suffering. It's not. John 16, 33, you just hinted at, um, is one where, you know, Christ has overcome the world um, with the understanding that he is in heaven. We are in broken vessels and will be made perfect in his presence. And so even when we hinted at, you know, medicine and other stuff before, it, it if you're broken, you take, you know, what you can to get better. Um, this isn't the perfect answer, the medicine itself. Um, but it is an answer 
to treat the brokenness that's found within you yes. um, until you are made whole in heaven. Um, the, the, the issue of faith, um, kind of leaning toward the pastors, isn't, or as well as other people in leadership, isn't less than because you take medicine. Um, you know, it, I have to smile because a lot of pastors take vitamins and other stuff and have oils that smell like all kinds of stuff. And yet that's on the outside of the body. And like a good Pharisee aren't really worried about what's inside the body. Um, yes, I'm throwing stones and shade. Um, <laughs> it's, it's clear that there, you know, the God has blessed us with wisdom and we can see a person has depression. Um, and we have been blessed with ways to help them, um, through medicine. That's not a negative. That's a praise. Um, if anything, it allows the individual, once they get into a balanced state, um, to begin to see things clear, just like with glasses or just like with anything else, it allows you to be able to enjoy God's creation more. Mm-hmm. If it's a distraction from God in, his, in a relationship with him and it mutes the relationship with him, then we have to work on, you know, is it too much? Um, and that often is one of the things that, you know, a psychiatrist will try and figure out as far as finding the right balance or combination. But know that that doesn't lessen their faith. Um, that isn't uh, not trusting God because um, you are taking the medicine. If anything, you can still pray, um, help my unbelief, if that's what you view, um, yeah. and take the medicine. You'll still be fine. <laughs> like you can, you can say, I believe God and help my unbelief and take the meds. And, you know, God is God. He's going to work period. Um, so you don't need to sweat. He knows what you need. He's willing to give you more than you need. Ask as a child and know that he's going to bless, but he can also use doctors for that. He is the great healer. So you go to a surgeon, have no problem with that. Um, you know, you recognize that that's the place to go to remove the tumor or whatever. You should be able to get help when it comes to dealing with depression, especially when. Um, You've been trying to change or add new skills to your life. And um, you've been going deeper in relationship with others as well as with God. And you've engaged in or implementing physical activity. You've been making sure to get enough sleep. You've been eating. You've been doing the things that most siblings in Christ would challenge you on if they knew you weren't eating or sleeping or drinking water, those type of stuff. You've gotten back into good habits and you're still dealing with depression. It's, it needs to be addressed. It does. And we need to, we need to bear in mind Jesus, not just the fact that he overcame, but the fact that he suffered as we do. When Jesus was on the way to the cross and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's going to commune with his father in the hours before his torture and death. What he did was he brought the 12 or the 11 with him and then he left eight of them behind and said to three of them, would you three please come and stay with me? Because I'm in need right now. I, the Son of God, 
the incarnate word, full of grace and truth right now, I'm struggling. And I'm going to go and ask my father to not do what I know he's going to do, to ask him if there's any way that he can come up with a different plan. And I need the comfort of you guys with me right now. If Jesus did that, you and I need to take note of that. And we need to have a lot of grace for the people who are walking in that same spot. Jesus did not have a bad theology. He was not lacking faith. He was human. He was frail. And in his frailty, he reached out to the people around him and he looked to God. And he was honest with both. If you're struggling with depression right now, I want to encourage you to reach out. You do not need to suffer alone. I don't want you to suffer alone. There is suffering. There is darkness at night. I I do believe that the sun will rise in the morning. And maybe that medicine is the light switch that you need to flip on in the middle of the night so that you can see, but the sun will rise in the morning. Jesus will answer you. He will be faithful. He proved it when you rose from the dead. Dave, you want to say anything? Yeah. Um, tune in for our next episode as we jump into sufferology. Um, what? What is sufferology, Dave? Sufferology is a theology we hate in the West. It is. <laughs> Don't talk about it. It's it's the, it's the theology of suffering. It's where where does it fit into the life of a Christian with a godly perspective? Um, you know that you're going to manifest suffering in your life if we talk about this, right? We're going to have a conversation about suffering <laughs> <laughs> at our next podcast. So feel free to jump in. Um, I know we've covered you know, depression today. Uh, hopefully we can cover some more stuff. I can't remember. Have we talked about anxiety? I don't believe we have. No. Okay, maybe we can do that one after the sufferology. We'll see. It might be roped into the sufferology, but we'll, I mean, we're going to talk about suffering and um, how it can be beautiful, honestly. Um, and that, again, that's not part of our culture, but there is um, a beauty in it that's unique. It, it is very much not something um, that anyone wants, but it is something that grows and is. Um, super sweet to be around and even um challenges us to to love god more deeply yeah yeah if you guys have questions that you'd like us to uh to answer we'd love to hear from you you know we can discuss questions in the upcoming podcast or we can reach back out to you and, and give you um whatever help that we're able to reach out to us you can reach us at angeredanddevoted.com until next time May the grace of God be heavy on your life.